Talk, a wet shaving podcast. I'm your host, John, aka Latherhog, and with me is Gerard, aka Hey Gerard Shaves. And I'd like to welcome our guest for today's episode, the creator of Sharpologist.com, Mark Harrow, aka Magic59. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mark. Hey, John, thanks for having me. So, if you had to choose your desert island shave, <laughs> what gear would you choose and why? Oh boy, the desert island shave. It, it changes uh, on a semi-regular basis as products come on and leave the market, of course. And I've been doing this for 15 odd years, so uh, it's gone through a number of permutations. But right now, I would say that uh, a razor would be my one blade Genesis. Uh, the brush would be probably the new PAA Peregrino Synthetic. Um, and for a shaving cream and aftershave, actually, I probably go back to uh, Castle Forbes limes, which I've always really liked. It's uh, very strongly scented for me. It's like getting hit in the face with a key lime pie. Uh, it's just something I I have never gotten tired of. Oh, do they have a matching? Sp- I've only used a sample of that of the Castle Forbes lime actually as well. I thought it was great. But as far as post shave, what what do what does Castle Forbes like offer? They do have an excellent a bomb. So so you you would go bomb, not a, uh, as opposed to a splash or something like that. I guess it would depend on where the desert island was. I'm I'm way more of a bomb type person than a splash type person. Anyway, I'm never have been a big fan of alcohol based splashes. There are a few low or no alcohol splashes out there. Um, one I can think of that I like is, is uh, Lucky Tiger, but I generally prefer bombs. I feel like that's definitely the trend right now as far. I, I know kind of like the large commercial companies versus uh, kind of you know, the, the trends and fads of like the artisan scene uh, aren't always the same. But I do feel like on the artisan side, uh, non-alcohol splashes and just options, even just more bombs, I think are uh, often out of necessity. Out, you know, um, alcohol, I th- I've heard it's really hard to get right now because of, uh, <laughs> you know, all the yeah. hand washes and, and whatnot. Uh, I'm curious, during this, you know, period of, of COVID-19, what are some of your observations as far as kind of changes to the industry? Yeah, I, I've seen a little of that. Uh, the artisan crowd uh, is... Uh, under a challenge right now because it is difficult to get both hardware and software from China. Um, you know, the, the hardware makers getting uh, razors or, or, or blades, uh, the software makers getting uh, ingredients, particularly alcohol, has become more of a challenge. So we're seeing some pressure on, on inventory where they just don't have enough to go around. Uh, of course, prices are going up a little bit. Surprise, not as much as I was expecting, but they are going up. Um, and some artisans are having to kind of pivot around and change the way they, they work. Uh, for example, Barrister and Man just came out with their first bombs after using splashes for a very long time. Now, of course, uh, Will at Barrister and Man says... They had been planning it for a long time, and I'm sure he has, but I'm sure the COVID issue has uh, kind of accelerated his schedule for things like that. And and have you uh, had a chance to use that uh, Barrister Man bomb? I have, and it's very good, uh, particularly the Terror bomb, which has the synthetic uh, menthol. Boy, that's a face freezer. (laughs) Have you you come across... There are are a few folks... um, who are pretty much immune to the synthetic menthol because I know it's pretty, it's still fairly new as far as showing up in products. But um, uh, I have a buddy that I think, have you seen the terror aid drops? So it's just the, just the cooling agent isolated in the, in a dropper format. And he put 40 drops into his, into his lather in the shaving bowl. 
And he's like, I feel a mild tingle, but not, <laughs> but oh not like gosh. cooling. Yeah. Oof. And and I, I uh, reached out to Will. I was like, Hey, is this? Have you heard this happen before? He's like, Yes. Like, <laughs> it's you know, it's a small handful, but yes, there are definitely folks who don't you know aren't getting a cooling sensation. They might get yeah, like a mild tingle is at is what they get at most. So. I don't know. I, I had not heard of that before. <laughs> I'm sure we'll hear kind of like more as more people try it because it's still you know te- I think like you mentioned terror, uh, the soap terror in the bomb or just the, uh, I love the drops myself um, and I, I've always like I like cooling but I thought menthol sometimes in the aftershave in particular when it's too much it really it, it gets in the way of of whatever scent you're trying to enjoy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I mean I, I'm personally a big fan but. I'm kind of curious to see if enough people aren't getting the benefits of it, you know, then I wonder if we'll see another other product get developed. To, and and to you also have to remember, I'm in Texas and, and yes. these days it's 100 degrees. So yes. uh, cooling products uh, are are nice this time of year. Well, since we talked a little bit about kind of, um, I mean, I can't believe it's been... 15 years that you've been here. So I, I, I know there's some questions that were kind of geared in that way where it's like, kind of like what, you know, what changes you've seen. So that's, I, I'm really looking forward to, <laughs> to, to what you have to say about some of these. But um, let's start with, uh, since you started Sharpologist, what are some of the milestones that stood out to you or were surprised by in the world of traditional shaving? Actually, uh, I've been thinking about that lately. And even though I started Sharpologist in 2011, I do want to go back a little bit before that and mention a couple things that I think were real paradigm shifts even before then. One is uh, in 2005, uh, Corey Greenberg, who was the tech editor for the Today Show, did a, uh, a segment on the weekend Today Show about traditional shaving. And uh, the few uh, vendors that were around in those days reported selling a year's worth of products within a couple weeks of that that segment. So it really kind of jump-started the niche in the beginning. Um, And then I think something else that was kind of uh, influential was Pro Rasso being available in Target for a while. This was around 2006, 2007. Um, really? I, I never knew about that. I mean, this is yes. obviously before I ever... <laughs> Regular Parasso, Parasso oh. Green in the uh, in the tube, uh, the, the yeah. shave cream, and the uh, Parasso Boarhair Brush were oh, wow. available in Target for a year or so. Mm. And unfortunately, uh, they, they quit carrying it, but... Um, uh, that was another big deal in the niche when that happened. Um, a little later, um, I, I made myself some notes actually about this. Uh, Vanderhagen, uh, you know, they came about, they started in 2001 with some very modest uh, shave soaps. Uh, but around 2015, thereabouts, they came out with their luxury shave soap, which... Uh, compares favorably with a a fair chunk of the artisan crowd uh, when it came out. Uh, And it was available at your local Walgreens, Walmart, things like that. It was uh, a really amazing thing to to see. Uh, Vanderhagen has since been sold to United Beauty out of Chicago. Uh, Vanderhagen was actually a Texas company originally. And uh, United Beauty has kind of uh, changed direction with Vanderhagen. You don't see as much of their stuff around as you used to at least i don't around here but one thing i will give them is you can actually still find a vanderhagen branded double-edged twist to open razor at a lot of outlets you know walgreens walmarts that kind of thing and uh give them credit uh hey at least it's available may not be the best thing in the world but if you want to try traditional shaving have uh, have an instant gratification, if you will, by picking something up off the shelf. There you go. A um, couple other things. I think uh, 
Mule with their first synthetic brush in around 2012 or so, uh, kind of jump-started the whole synthetic brush movement, uh, where before then the brush, the synthetic fiber quality wasn't very good. Nowadays it's exploded and you can get some amazing synthetic brushes. Uh, in fact, I, I think I mentioned earlier the, the uh, PAA uh, Peregrino brush just amazes me every time I use it. It's, it's really the first brush that I've used that compares favorably with an upper end uh, badger brush. Um, and then uh, Declaration Grooming in 2016, uh, I was actually their first customer when really? it was L&L Grooming. Yep, And uh, they were, I think, one of the very first ones to use some exotic tallows uh, in their shave soaks and kind of jump-started that portion of the uh, artisan crowd as well. Although I do want to give credit again to PAA for probably about five years before that. I, and I know PAA is kind of controversial with some people, but bear with me here, that their first products with kokum butter and some other ingredients that were, weren't used before then was a big shift in the artisan ingredient crowd as well. So those are, those are some of the things that I think have made uh, a real change to the niche uh, over the past few years. So um, I guess uh, a few things I thought of for, for the different uh, milestones that you shared. So I'm curious because I'm not as familiar with what Mula did with the synthetics, but would you say, like, when did Plasson, those brushes, I, I know, maybe because I was uh, starting to get, to get into the YouTube side of, of traditional shaving, I know that Plasson, especially uh, from IMCDB um, and a few others, really loved that brush. Was that after what Mula... Yeah. Uh, like, probably about five years. Um, oh, wow. Three or four years after uh, Mule. Now, you have to okay. remember the Plisson uh, synthetic is much less expensive than the Mule yes. uh, brush. So Plisson was probably the first one to have a decent synthetic brush for a decent price. <laughs> and that Plisson brush, I mean, compared to like 2020 prices, right? Wasn't it still like around $50? Yes. For, so that's kind of like, it's almost now like ludicrous to think of like a... Um, a synthetic brush for $50, but that, that's, that's how far we've come in that, yeah. in that short time. That's true. Um, and yeah, I think, and it's kind of, uh, I think declaration was are already around for a bit. I, I, I didn't try the products for, for a little bit just in, in my exploration of the artisan scene, but yeah, I, I mean, their first soap, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it that bison tallow? Their first, uh, I don't think their first, their very first soap was bison, but okay. it came out very shortly after I see. Uh, they actually, they changed name from L and L grooming to declaration right. grooming. And I think when they changed the name is when they first did the bison, but don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Man, the, the, the brush thing. Yeah. I think especially if, if you're following or having seen the evolution of the synthetic brushes, that must've been quite the doozy. <laughs> it's really amazing compared to what was, available just a few years ago to what is available now uh some of the some of the fibers are just fantastic mm -hmm. now as far as brushes that uh you regularly use do you stick with synthetic or like what's the what's the ratio <laughs> of uh, brushes you use uh it's only been in the last couple of months that i've used synthetics much more often uh, my favorite brushes before that were uh, the WSP Badger and uh, Sterling's Badger and even uh, even the Edwin Jagger Badger. The, the Super Badgers, the upgraded Badger quality brushes is what I had been using uh, just basically because I, I wasn't satisfied with anything else until just very recently, the past couple of months. And what's your opinion on it's British or like European, like some of the, the longstanding brands like Simpson uh, and, and the other other brushes? Do you think uh, like, like where does that rank, I guess, as far as uh, your experience with the other brushes that you, you've used? 
Quite frankly, I think the established English brands have uh, kind of been left in the by the roadside, uh, rec- except maybe very, very recently within really the past couple of weeks, I believe uh, Simpson has come out with a, uh, a, a Trafalgar line of uh, synthetic brushes, but really and truly uh, uh, Simpson particularly, uh, Edwin Jagger to some extent, uh, uh, Shave Mac, the established names uh, have sort of taken a back seat to the uh, artisans that are cranking out unbelievable shave brushes for very low prices. Yeah, that, that was that was my feeling too. And, and even that whole explosion, right? <laughs> like there's the explosion of artists and soap makers, but I feel like monthly there are new brush turners. And um, before we started recording, we we're talking a little bit just about social media Instagram being such a visual medium, uh, man, that's like, you know, uh, if you get a customer posting your a brush they bought from you, that's just free advertisement right there. Absolutely, yeah. Are, are, have you dipped, dipped your toes in the, in the world of artists and brush makers at all? Actually, I have um, in a couple different ways. I do have a few artisan brushes. Uh, I tend to shy away from some of the artisans simply because uh, for myself, speaking strictly for myself, uh, a lot of the price is fancy handles and I just don't see it for myself. I'm more of a rubber meets the road kind of guy where I want to get the performance and the performance comes from the knot versus the handle. That being said, uh, I have been in a couple of initial talks with some brush makers about uh, making a, a very specific handled uh, brush for Sharpologists. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Yeah, that, that may be coming down the line here later this year. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And uh, prior to our talking today, I did reach out to listeners of the podcast to just get some questions. So if you don't mind, uh, I'm, I'm going to um, fire some of those questions at you. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so the first question I have here is from Shave326. And he asks, why no Shave the Day videos? We could probably learn a ton from a vlog style video from Mantic59. I, I've resisted Shave of the Day videos simply because... There are so many other people doing them. I think I would just just get lost in the noise. Uh, I do plan on doing more videos uh, uh, in the in the coming months, but again, they'll be mostly tutorial types, like I always do, and not so many of the uh, shave of the day kinds of things. I do post shave of the days occasionally on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Um, but I've I've kind of avoided doing the videos. Maybe if there's enough uh, enough people asking, okay, uh, you know, uh, send me send me an, an email at mantic59 at charpolis.com and let me know if uh, you'd be interested in uh, happy doing shave of the shave of the day videos. Uh, maybe I will. All right, listeners. So Mark has invited that upon himself. If you want to see uh, shave of the day videos. And Shave326, this includes you. Be sure to shoot him an email. Uh, and uh, Mark, just share the email. And we'll be sure to include the email address and other links uh, in the show notes. So uh, thanks for answering that one, Mark. Um, second question for you comes from HD Shaves. And he asks, what is your favorite artisan soap released in this past year? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. There have just been so many really good artisan soaps it's really tough to uh to give just one um some of the uh some of the paa soaps i really enjoy um feel free to list a few <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm, I'm list a few. we can we'll dare it down. washing over me uh Bearston <laughs> man uh katie's bubbles um, Katie, I don't know if they're still doing it. I'm working off an old puck right now, but he used to have a 
uh, soap called water lip, water liptus. It's a combination of watermelon and eucalyptus. It's a, it's a late summer, early fall kind of vibe that is perfect right now. And I've been using it, uh, flowers in the dark, uh, which is a deep lavender from, uh, uh, I think it's Dr. John's. Yes. Um, I've been using that. Uh, Captain's Choice has a has a couple out uh, that are that are relatively new. Uh, Nor'easter, I think, is one uh, that I that I enjoy. Um, boy, it's it's just so tough uh, yeah. picking just a few because there are just so many really good artisan soaps out there. It's it's hard. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, Annie Spartacus is another one I enjoy. Okay. Well, though, I mean, the one other uh, user submitted question kind of maybe you can uh, it overlaps with the previous question. And uh, user Senya Shade asks, just what is your current favorite shave soap and aftershave? Uh, shave soap. I would have to say right this minute uh because of the weather uh it's a toss-up between barrister and man terror and paa peppermint because they're both nice cooling excellent performing products and uh, they're great for the hot weather this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So I was talking with John kind of, you know, prior to everything going on specifically Sharpologists in general, and how has your audience changed from like when you started to now? Do you feel like um, your content is directed towards a certain member of the community in general or a certain like audience demographic in general? And yeah, just kind of your ideas and thoughts on that. Sure. Uh, Actually, surprisingly to me, there has not been a whole lot of change in the demographics of Sharpologists since it started. Um, I routinely do a, a, a questionnaire or a survey on my email list uh, about how people are doing, what's going on, what they would like to see. And I get basically the same answers every year. So it, it's surprisingly stable. Uh, there is an element of uh, the hardcore shave nerd uh, which is uh, looking for uh, the news and <laughs> the news and uh, information of artisans and and the, the niche, if you will. Then there's another group that is more interested in tutorials, learning how to shave, that kind of thing. And then there is another uh, smaller niche that uh, is interested in not only that subject but also a slightly broader area of uh, classic or traditional men's grooming, not the trendy stuff, uh, but like, for example, palmades or uh, hair products uh, that have a history to them, not the newest, latest, and greatest, uh, which I occasionally do reviews of, and the response is generally, yeah, okay, thanks. Uh, But if I do something that has a more traditional bent or from a traditional company from, say, for example, Floris or uh, Marie's to Truefit, those types of places, yeah. there's a lot more interest. So uh, I have tried to broaden Sharpologist over the past couple of years um, just to keep it fresh and, and interesting, but there is that hardcore element that is really just interested in the, the shave nerd stuff. As far as like the search engine optimization or SEO, when it comes to like Sharpologists, right. Um, is there anything that you do? Like if I wanted to type in traditional shaving, 
how does Sharpologist fit in like where you're hoping on being that first five links on Google or, right. or wherever? Um, um, I actually tried to not concentrate on the broader SEO keywords like shaving or wet shaving or traditional shaving. I'll try to co- focus a little more on things like what is the best double-edged razor or what is the best shave cream, uh, best aftershave, that kind of thing, uh, simply because it's easier to rank for. And then as people find the site, they see all these other things as well. And that gets them hooked in and interested. I, I do want to eventually get more into a, uh, I'm thinking of getting into more of a, uh, online class kind of thing maybe this this fall and you know how to shave with a straight razor how to shave with a double-edged razor and that might kind of tighten up my seo a little bit for those keywords as well but at the moment uh, i don't try and compete with the gillettes uh, the 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 png uh seo uh, division. I'm sure they have 20 people or even uh, West Coast Shavings or some of the larger uh, vendors that uh, uh, have SEO uh, pretty much locked up uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, like I think it was. it's always interesting, you know, especially since you, you know, started Tripologist from the ground up, like how, how is it for kind of um, a one-man operation compared to a lot of the bigger outfits, you know, with full marketing departments and PR and, and all <laughs> that stuff. So. I do have some automated uh, programs that help me. Um, of course, I'm like many other websites that are, I'm running WordPress behind the scenes and they have hooks and, and connections to all sorts of different things. Uh, I have a SEO uh, plugin in, on the website that helps me target keywords and makes sure Google knows my uh, site uh, search and knows about my site map and make sure it, it uh, has keywords and things like that, that it can send over to the search engines. Um, and, and that's what I'm having to rely on a lot rather than, try and hire a staff, but it works reasonably well. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, um, and I can't, I can't say it exactly, but I know that if I Googled something at least 50% of the time, something from Sharpologist, an article from Sharpologist will pop up. And it's usually because I've asked for something specific Right. Um, you know, whether it's just like, what's the best, you know, double edge blade or what's the best single edge blade or um, something like that, that you'll have done an article or there'll be some featured article on there that'll direct, directly link me to you. So, yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier to get exposure that way than a more general keyword. Uh, I'm curious. How come like you're not at the helm of the podcast or like uh, a host co-host scenario? Because um, obviously, I-, I think you were invested in that that medium early on to obviously to include it in the network. But just yeah, just curious. Uh, um, you have a more behind the scenes role, do you not? Right. Uh, to be honest with you, I just didn't have the time to do websites and a podcast and even try and do videos. Uh, you know, I'm not hardly doing any videos now. The, the vast majority of my work time goes into the website, uh, but I'm hoping to change that here uh, later this year and do some more videos. But um, originally, I was approached to uh, see if I wouldn't mind hosting a, a podcast. And at the time, I didn't have time to do one myself. So I said, sure, I'll do the behind the scenes stuff. And you give me the content and uh, we'll go on with that. And actually, it's it's worked out really well. Uh, Joe Borelli uh, gives me a file every uh, every couple of weeks. Uh, I use a actually my video editor in the audio mode to insert uh, 
music and uh, edits edit any problems that may be on the, the website uh, on the podcast on the recording and, and there's usually very few and then I upload it to my distribution channel and they take care of the rest so it's a it's a a low effort I don't want to say low effort low time consuming uh, thing for me I have done a couple podcasts on my own when Joe didn't have the time to, to do one and I needed to keep a schedule but uh, I really rely on Joe uh, for what he does. It's funny because I feel like nowadays, you know, you have the, um, you know, if we're just going to kind of talk about just media and, and whatnot, there's a very big prosumer market, you know, the, and, and things like that, where just amateur content is so good and so crisp and, and, you know, you, you see content on YouTube, you hear podcasts and stuff like that, and people are just doing it with, um, with either free software or very, you know, basic, you know, cameras and stuff like that. And it looks fantastic. Yeah, it really is amazing. When I first started doing videos in 2004, uh, the, uh, YouTube format, I believe was 360 P Yep. and even went down to 240 P for uh, low resolution. And I actually still have some of those videos up on my channel and I look at them and kind of uh, close my eyes to that. I really need, I guess I really need to redo some of those videos in at the very least uh, uh, 1080p or maybe. No, no, don't, don't do them over. Like leave them up on there. It's like you see the journey, you know, like, like, <laughs> okay. so okay. like, like I watch a lot of YouTube, you know, and, and things like that, you know, as, as far as um, it's one of the, it's one of the, my most, you know, use uh, content, you know, when I, when I look at content and there's a tech Uber that I watch and he started when he was in high school, like he was like 14 or 15 years old. And now he's like 25. And oh, so wow. you see him like, you know, buying something like on a, on just a regular webcam on something, no, no microphone, just the onboard microphone. And you can see his, and you see the journey. And so there, I don't know, I think there's something, um, there's something nice about like being able to look back at this was the best that you could do. You know, like this is what you, you had to do with what, with what you had. There, there's, there's shaving nostalgia. So I guess there's also video nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Sure. You know, but don't get me wrong. I, I don't wish that I had one of like the JVC, you know, camcorders from the, from the eighties or anything like that, you know, to do our content, you know, that would be, Oh man, that would be terrible. One of the biggest things I had to relearn when I got into video was nonlinear editing, because when I was in broadcasting, it was tape, and you did everything in a linear sort of way. Uh, and uh, yeah, now there's there's video files instead of video tape, and and you can do a, some really amazing things. Yeah, that that must be crazy. <laughs> that shift. Even how how you plan, right? Like uh, what shots you need and whatever. Now, or rather, it doesn't matter so much now in the digital age, right? You can always go back and. I mean, um, I, I feel like we couldn't do this just five years ago. No, probably no. not. You know, no. like, like it's it's just crazy how recent and, and how is how is content going to be just five years from now? You know what I mean? Like. I think Zoom can what do up to twenty five people or something like that. I know some of the other chat clients can, and it's just going to be wild. And everyone's going to have like four K cameras, and yep. it's going to just like look so crisp and, and fantastic. That's, and, that's and, assuming and, you have the bandwidth to do it with. Mark, we talked a little bit about kind of obviously the different communities, right, and a different mm-hmm. medium. And I'm just curious for for you. Um, I mean, Sharpologist itself is. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a website, it's a platform in and of itself, but I guess outside of that, would you say there's one, uh, one community or, you know, or, uh, where kind of, which communities I, I receive, I guess, more of your time? Uh, of, of the social media sites, uh, for me, believe it or not, it's Twitter, uh, because I'm pretty sure I've been there the longest I have the most number of followers on Twitter. Uh, Sharpologist on Facebook uh, is uh, uh, the number of followers is a fraction of Twitter. And of course, Facebook screws up the uh, timeline anyway to 
take away views uh, from uh, pages or, or users that don't pay to boost the, the postings. Uh, so I get, don't get a lot from, from Facebook as far as comments are concerned. It's really uh, Twitter and then maybe Instagram. Funny enough, though, as far as actual referrals, web referrals to the website, uh, uh, Sharp, uh, Facebook is, is on top there. So there aren't very many comments, but more referrals. And then uh, another significant portion of referrals is Reddit. I read your AMA, but how long ago? Is At least a year ago. About a year ago, yeah. yeah. A year, year and a half. Yeah, and I was going through there. So, yeah, I've been on Reddit in general longer than I've been on the wet shaving subreddit or Wicked Edge or any of the, the other sub-communities, you know, like on there. So, um, and then, yeah... I got brought into Facebook um, primarily just for like small groups, but I can't say that I'm very active in some of the other groups over there, but it just seems like, I don't want to say it's like back in high school when you just had your little clicks, depending on like who it is, but that's really what it is. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's very fragmentized and it's kind of drama and, and, I, uh, I intentionally kind of shy away from it. I've got enough drama in real life. I don't need it in uh, online too. I think that's something we can all agree on. <laughs> yes, less drama is good. As far as the wet shaving aspect of, uh, of your life goes, do, do you consider yourself like a hobbyist, enthusiast? Like what, what are the words that you use? I like to use the word advocate myself. Okay. Uh, you know, yes, I'm a hobbyist. Yes, I uh, make a living at this now uh, since uh, I, I took uh, Sharpologist full-time in 2015. That is that is my job. Um, and I just try and cast a net, if you will, to try and bring people in to initially just shave better. Uh, there's so many people that just flat out don't know how to shave, even with consumer goods, you know, your basic uh, Gillette Fusion and, and can of Foamy. And, and then they wonder why they're getting lousy shaves. Well, I can tell them how to get a better shave, no matter what they're using. And once they realize that they have some technique that they need to work on, then they get interested in the hardware and, and the other aspects of, of the niche. So I, I basically like to think of myself of, as an advocate. Well, speaking of advocacy, as far as growing the community, or maybe that's not the right way to say it, but, but growing uh, people, you know, trying traditional shaving and wet shaving, what are your thoughts about as far as kind of opening it up and trying to pull in more women? Funny you should mention that because uh, I've had several conversations uh, with women shavers and uh, some uh, acquaintances of my wife's uh, that say, hey, what about stuff for us? And I'm actually working on doing more articles and even some videos uh, about women's shaving here upcoming soon. Uh, I, after years of, uh, of, of trying to convince her, my wife has finally agreed to be the leg model uh, for a leg <laughs> shaving video. <laughs> and uh, I'm getting some other uh, women shavers lined up to do articles on Sharpologists. So that is coming. Oh, awesome. And, and your thoughts as far as like, is that, is that really like the huge untapped group to, to really kind of bolster num our numbers? No, I don't think so. I think um, the, and I use this in the nicest possible term, but the shave nerd uh, has kind of the the numbers have kind of plateaued over the over the last couple of years that uh, the, the ones that really get into the deep dive stuff, but there's still quite a bit of people that are uh, trying to just find a better way or a different way than they're shaving now or a less expensive way, particularly with COVID going on and 
people losing their jobs and, find, and they need to find ways to save money as, as best they can. Uh, there are certainly ways to shave more cheaply with traditional products or the commercial products. And uh, I've actually done a few articles along those lines recently on Sharpologists as well. And again, it's kind of like advocating in better shaving in general. Uh, and I have to maybe do some additional things more than I've done now for things like uh, getting on some other mainstream websites uh, to do maybe a guest post on traditional shaving, classic shaving, uh, than what uh, people are used to seeing now. Yeah, Mark, like John and I were talking about this actually in our first episode back uh, November, you know, um, it was when the Heritage came out, when Gillette kind of like slow, like low key, just threw this thing on Amazon and everyone's like, what is, are, are we all seeing this, you know, at the same time? Um, and then, and that, you know, in, for me, like, I was just thinking like, I mean, it's smart, you know, they put out a product out there regardless of whether, where it was made, you know, how it was made, you know, materials and all that. Gillette put out a double-edged safety razor and they put it out on Amazon and it sold out, you know, quickly the first batch. And then the second batch, you know, like has been on there. And then this year with the the King C Gillette, <clears throat> um, you know, in, in Walgreens and things like that, I'm just like, the first things first is they don't, I, you know, I, I told John this, I said, they don't have to do this. Like they're not, they are still making tons of money, <laughs> you know, like, so like for, in my head, I'm just like, are they, are they wanting to, you know, you know, in, entice some of the people who have, you know, gone the traditional shaving route. And I don't know. Um, you know, I understand that like you've done some work with Gillette, but like, I don't know like how long it's been and, and whatnot, but where do you see, where do you see the big names um, say in the next few years, as far as the hobby goes? Um, I see, uh, I see a increased perception by the big companies that traditional shaving has a place. I think uh, that they're not, as interested in attracting the niche we're in as they are kind of reclaiming the mass market for people that have looked at other, other things. Uh, Gillette skin guard, for example, is a cartridge with only two blades and they're spaced too far apart for the hysteresis effects. So they don't get that lift and pull. And it's been very well received uh, for the people that get ingrown hairs and, and razor bumps and things like that. The King C Gillette, uh, I think is a offshoot from the, uh, a lower cost offshoot, I might, might add, from the Heritage uh, razor, which they considered as sort of a test. Is this going to work? Um, I'm almost positive you will see more of that kind of thing from both uh, Gillette and Schick. I think you will see uh, sort of the smaller players get more into that as well. And I think there's going to be in the next year or two kind of a, a real resurgent of availability. I don't think they're going to expect too much in the way of sales or profit profitability right now. I think they're trying to get those shavers back to the brand rather than back to a specific razor. So I shouldn't be uh, hoping for the 2020 Shikrona or the 2020 new, a new injector, uh, razor from Schick or anything like that? <laughs> uh, actually, you might see a, a double-edged razor from Schick. You might you see know, it. Might see uh, it. You will, you will almost certainly see alternative razors from the smaller uh, manufacturers. I, I'm, I think the success of the supply injector uh, will not be lost on some people. 
Um, I think uh, the gem blade has some real potential for a real resurgence. Um, but uh, with COVID, everything's up in the air now. So time will tell. Things may, may be delayed. That's why I say maybe in the next year or so before anything happens, because we've, we've got to get out of the, the whole COVID issue first. I was talking with John. I just said, Gillette, if Gillette just engineered a new, like, three-piece, you know, safety razor, if they made it stainless steel, charge like 150 bucks or something, you know, like make it profitable for them, but, you know, make it like a, a semi-premium product, man, I think it'd sell like hotcakes, you know? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know market. about that because the, 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 the logical outlet for that would not be their normal mass market outlets, but probably something more in terms of art of shaving. And uh, P&G wants to shed themselves of art of shaving. So yeah. I don't know where that would go. So we can hope. Or, one, or one, one, one can like hope. P&G is what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, what, what, one can hope. <laughs> so. perhaps, perhaps a holiday time release, Gerard. It's okay. I mean, <laughs> honestly, like if they even released just a, a, the Heritage again with just a different handle in a different case, you know, I, I'd be fine with that. Or if they, if they uh, refresh the tech, the tech, uh, yeah, any, ver- the tech. any variant of the, any var- variant Pick of the one. tech, yeah. you know, even if it, like I said, even if it was like a, like a zinc alloy or something like that, just something small and, um, you know, relatively inexpensive to make, but that, you know, can give them a nice little, uh, nice little boost, you know, in the market for market share. Why not? I think if Gillette uh, took the took the heritage, the existing heritage, and etched the name Gillette on top and gave it a date code on the bottom, I think that would be much more uh, interesting to the collector and to the the shave nerd. Um, and then they, it'd be interesting to see where they would go from there. That would be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting already because people, I know I did because I have a I have a birth year um, super adjustable Black Beauty, and I mean I looked for that. You know, I looked for mine, and so like I have it, and yeah, no definite. And actually, I did the same with my father in law. I got him a, a birth year uh, super speed. So that would be really interesting because I know if they did something like that, say this year. I would buy one for my son. I'd be like, all right, I got a birth year razor for you. I think the only right. one, the only one doing birth years or, or date codes is Rex. Yeah, I think so. Right. right. So that's my option, <laughs> you know. What are some of the plans that you can share uh, for Sharpologists coming up this fall? As I, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I, I do have a couple things that I'm, I'm working on. I'm hoping to do it by this fall. I'm not sure it, I'm not sure it will, but um, I'm working on an idea for a custom shave brush uh, with a very specific handle shape uh, for, for a very specific reason. I can't say much more about that right now because I'm still talking with people about it. I'm also working on an idea for online courses, uh, one for double-edged razors and one for straight razors, and particularly the straight razor course, how to learn the straight razor reasonably quickly and efficiently without a whole lot of bloodshed, because that's what happens to most people when they start learning a, uh, a straight razor. I know, I know it happened to me that way, so... Uh, I'm, I'm John and I started this year uh, our straight razor, um, I guess, adventure in a bit. <laughs> so, yeah. And I also want to get back, kind of, back to my roots and do get back into more uh, uh, just general YouTube videos, general tutorials, and things like that, and maybe even shave of the days if there's if there's enough uh, interest. I, I think about it right and. You know, people who 
content creators who put out really like, you know, shade of the day videos, like, man, like they're doing such a service because to be honest, like, it's like almost impossible to keep up with it every single day. But if there's something that you're interested in, you know, a product that's out there, you can almost be guaranteed that someone will have put that video out, you know, the week it's been released or, you know, within a couple of days of it, you know, it being released. And so it's just nice to, it's, it's nice to have that, um, just have that kind of content available so quickly for people. Well, I, I did just want to open it up for, for you, Mark, that as we're winding down, um, is there anything that you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't covered already? Any, any plugs or shout outs that you'd like to give? Um, well, uh, of course, charpolis.com where your, where your father didn't teach you about shaving. Um, and I think everybody who's watching this already knows my, my outlets. So, uh, uh, Mantic 59 everywhere. Yeah, pretty much. Mantic 59 or Starpologist on just about any social channel you care to think of. And uh, if you have a question, reach out. Uh, I'm always always available for questions and, and help if you need some help. I, I do it every, almost literally every day on emails or messages that come in through the website. Uh, hey, I'm having problems with X, you know, I'm having problems with my, uh, with my neck or, or something like that. And I'll point them in the right direction and hopefully uh, get them a better shave. You're fighting the good fight, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly a wet shaving advocate. Well, we'd like to thank you so much, Mark, uh, for joining us on Lather Talk today. Again, well, you can find all the relevant links. If you don't know them, uh, we'll have them. Uh, Sharpologist and Magic 59, all those links in the show notes. Uh, so, of course, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning to the podcast. Uh, we appreciate your time and support on the show and hope to catch you all next time. Take care.